Hello and welcome to the Exorcist Podcast. I'm your host, uh, G.P. Haggard, um, author, exorcist, what have you. Um, if you're listening on uh, YouTube, make sure that you uh, hit the like and subscribe button. And um, yeah, today, uh, well, if you're not if you're not familiar with the program, uh, we talk about deliverance, we talk about exorcism, we talk about hauntings, and uh, we do this podcast for you so that you can, you know, if you're interested in deliverance ministry to get prepared for it, get some training to get on your way, and to um, also do, uh, for, for those of you that are suffering from demonic possession or a demonic haunting, what have you, uh, you know, to get some training on that and uh, what you can do. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, this is going to be the last podcast of the of 2021, and uh, we won't. Uh, I won't be returning until uh, possibly at the end of February or into March at some point, and we'll pick this back up and we'll do some studying. Um also share with you an exorcism that I did with on a gentleman uh, a couple weeks ago who had a Jezebel spirit. And I'll show you just the difference between uh, an exorcism on a Christian and an exorcism on a non-believer. Now for all you pastors out there who believe that and are preaching that Christians can't come under demonic possession, that's simply not true. And this podcast that is coming up next year uh, will prove that. And uh, most of the exorcisms I actually have done on people are actually Christians. And now uh, you're probably asking, well, why is that? <clears throat> That's because uh, the church is a threat to the devil. Satan hates the church. And he will attack it as much as possible. And... Uh, the big attacker on the Christian church is the Jezebel spirit. For that simple reason, is that's what, what she's des- she is designed for. And I hate this spirit. <laughs> I hate, hate the Jezebel spirit with a passion. It's just because my, my wife and I have been affected by the Jezebel spirit personally. And the majority of the cases that I have... Uh, have done have been a result of the Jezebel spirit and she hates me and she has just uh, brutally attacked my wife and I and uh, she's partially the reason why I took such a long sabbatical six years to get away from the deliverance ministry and to recuperate I still feel like I haven't really fully recuperated so um, you uh, just just so you know, you get a deliverance ministry. You really have nothing to be afraid about because these demons are subject to the church. Uh, people, you know, the the movies out there and everything. They Hollywood has to portray that the um, get just in my seat here real quick. The. <clears throat> Because what we're going to talk about today is pretty important. 
one thing and adjust my mic here. Um, the one thing Sorry about that, if there's a lot of noise on your side. Um, yeah, the Jezebel spirit uh, will uh, does not like Christians. And just in that previous podcast that I talked about her before, we'll, we'll talk more about her just so that you can educate, be educated on her because you're going to eventually, you're going to encounter her. And she's everywhere. <clears throat> she's in the church, and I've seen her in the paranormal community. Every time I go to a paracon, I know she's there. You know, all the signs of her being present in the paranormal community are there. And so we'll we'll talk about the talk about her in future podcasts as well. More and more, just for the simple fact that you're going to encounter her. Uh, again, don't be afraid of demons. They're I mean, you can just, you're a spirit-filled Christian, you, what you say is going to affect demons, trust me. Um, real quick, also, uh, for those of you that are listening to this and are fans of my Kindle Vela story, and those of you who don't know that I have a Kindle Vela story out there, well, first of all, Kindle Vela is... A uh, like a, a episodic uh, type book, the platform that they got out there in Amazon Kindle, and what that does is uh, the writer can write an episode here or there and put it out there, and fans of the book can uh, get notifications that there's episodes. And so I wrote a book. I'm still trying to finish up the couple episodes that are left on it. It's a whole series. <clears throat> so each chapter in the book is like an episode. So I developed this character named uh, Dr. Randy Valancourt. And he is a theologian. And I did put a lot of myself into him just for the purpose of teaching um, from a you know, he's, he's a demonologist, and he's getting out there into the, uh, and helping people. Um, he's a, he's a character, he's the main protagonist, but I'm actually thinking about having some of the other characters I've written in there having their own stories as well. He does have a love interest in this uh, English woman that had moved to the United States. And um, they kind of have, she's an atheist, and she's a psychologist, and, but he's a theologian. And they're both professors at two separate universities. And so he's trying to win her to Christ, but yet she has this kind of resistance, and she doesn't want to believe in Christ because of her past. And she, back in England, she was kind of thrown into this, you know, kind of human trafficking and she was used as a uh, prostitute in a way and uh, she got away from her aunt and moved to the United States and um, in in her youth she met Randy and Randy is this he grows up to be this type of Sherlock Holmes type of 
occult criminal profiler slash theologian slash slash uh, professor. So there's a lot of a he has a lot of my experiences um, and what to expect uh, from what I've ha I've helped with uh, criminal profilers um, and uh, psychologists and psychiatrists uh, and what you know you you read the story you kind of get the interaction of what it's like between a, a psychologist and a theologian or a demonologist and. Um, so it's kind of kind of get the get the hint. Um, and this this first story in the series is called Atavistic Resurgence. And Atavistic Resurgence is actually an occult product. It's a belief that you can look at all these different various uh, images and sigils. And actually goes along with demonic possession. I've talked in the past when Jerry was on about how there is a form of demonic transformation in which the the host will allow and this is very very secret stuff that goes on in the occult world but very high level and uh, if you don't believe in this stuff that's fine uh, I was in the uh, well. I was involved in the occult and uh, did a lot of research on what what goes on in the occult and even trying to find out what goes on at higher levels. And I heard rumors. <coughs> and uh, another another gentleman out there that uh, confirm can confirm a lot of this is his name is Bill Schnoblin. He lives in uh, Wisconsin, and uh, his story is pretty wild. <clears throat> and uh, he's a messianic Jew now, but uh, yeah, this, this stuff uh, I believe happens uh, as long uh, along with other exorcists out there that uh, that believe it happens as well. Um, so there's skinwalkers out there. There's people who are have the ability through that demonic transformation to transform into in, to into uh, a creature. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, you really get into more advanced deliverance stuff, and you you, uh, you can actually you will meet the demons who are behind all this stuff. Uh, I've had Moloch tell me that the demon Moloch tell me that he is behind all the alien type uh, abductions and everything like that to create. Um, fetuses <clears throat> so that uh, they can be sacrificed to him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, what we're going to talk to talk about today is something that is kind of controversial on deliverance and will also help to explain a haunting, or I mean, a haunted objects, more particularly, and this is called soul ties and imprints. And some people are asking, well, like, well, is this biblical? Yeah, it's actually all over the Bible, and I'm actually going to give you some verses that you can look up and study for yourself. Now, what a soul tie is, <clears throat> basically, 
is that you are tying. Now, a, let me give you a, begin here. That a solo tie is not necessarily bad. They can be good. But I'll also give you this uh, verse here that will show you just how what the devil does with solo ties. Uh, soul ties are basically where you're you are weaving your soul in with somebody else and so that you two are connected so uh, the very first soul tie that we can read in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Uh, that word cleave means to interweave, to connect, and to have sex. And so this is part of the Adamatic law, in which we learn about marriage. And to, to God... Marriage is not just a ceremony, but it is the act of sexual intercourse. I probably you're wondering, you're thinking like, "Well, Greg, man, I've I had a lot of partners in my in my life, and this is this goes for male and female. We're not going to get into the whole homosexual aspect of it. Um, but yeah, the, the devil. Uh, uses will use this etymatic law to his favor and because humans have a sinful nature you know we all like to have sex we have a sinful nature we will go out and find partners I have when I was younger I went out and I've had a lot of sex and I've renounced all of those interactions even before I got married and I'm sure that you're listening to this too. You're probably thinking, man, I've had a lot of husbands or I've had a lot of wives. And to prove this, you go into the, the Gospels where the, Jesus meets the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He looks at her and she's actually a prostitute. And uh, he asks her to bring out his her husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, oh, but you've had... Several, you have several husbands because she had sexual intercourse with all these different different men. So and that's why um, the the sexual law of adultery, one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Jesus even goes a step further and says, if you look upon someone with a lustful eye, you have committed adultery at that person in your heart. And uh, so the, that's where it all begins. The spirit of lust is the gatekeeper for the spirit of adultery and the spirit of fornication. Fornication being the sexual act itself. Um, so yeah, so that is a solitai. So my wife and I, we're married. We are spiritually, our souls are interwoven with each other. So that is the first uh, aspect of the soul tie that we, we read about. And the second, Genesis 
chapter 44, verse 30. Now therefore, when I come to you, you know, come to your servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. So that's another aspect of the solatai, bound up. Uh, you can be bound to somebody. For example, my son is bound to my wife and I. Now, usually the solatai comes about through emotions. And that's, again, that's how the spirits out there work. Angels and demons um, work emotionally. That's uh, something that's... Uh, because the emotions are pretty much the gateway to the soul. Your eyes are gateway to the soul. That maybe that is that is also true. I believe that. But and then we look forward into uh, my huge Bible here. That <laughs> sorry, <laughs> have the, the this book is my Bible is so old that the, the pages are crinkly. Uh, but I use it, I've used it in the past for deliverance, but now I have a new Bible to use for deliverance, to slap people around. Um, let's see, it's First Samuel, chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking to Saul, this, that the soul of Jonathan, his kin, his kit, with the soul, it was knit, I'm sorry, was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That is the perfect example of the soul type. So that uh, Jonathan's soul, as you, as you read here, it says in black and white, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. So you, uh, I mean, you can make a bond with somebody. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a covenant with somebody. You could tell, hey, Joe, um, you know, I promise that we're going to, I'm going to do this for you. And you just knitted yourself with that person. You created a soul tie. Uh, and we go further into Second Samuel, chapter 20, verse 1. And it happened to be there a man of... Uh, of Belial, whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a, a Benjaminite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse, every man of his, his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David and followed Sheba, the son 
of Bichri, and the, and the men of Judah clave to their king from Jordan even to Jerusalem. So we read here, uh, David being the king, the people of Judah clave to their king. They bound themselves to their king. They created that sultai. And you can do that legally, legal-wise in the unseen world. Uh, like you can go to church and you can bind yourself and from the congregation usually binds themselves to the, the pastor. And that's why the pastor is so important. They, their life has to follow the Bible because they can, demons can come into the congregation through the pastor because the pastor is the head of the church. So if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, you need to, um, you really need to, and we'll, we'll talk more about exorcists out there in the paranormal community who are not living the Christian life and people are just going to, going to them, seeking advice and getting the wrong advice and they're binding themselves to these these false exorcists, these false prophets in the paranormal community, and they're getting demons. Because demons are very sneaky people. They're, it is not hard to get a demon. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can accidentally get one from the wrong person. And like, once again, they're all over in the paranormal community and just having a big old party with what the paranormal community is doing. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 24 verse 3. And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife to my son, of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I, I dwell. But you should go to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife to my, to my son Isaac. And so this person had a spiritual authority, Abraham, over Isaac, and swore. And uh, so he went about and made him go and get uh, a wife among his own kindred. That's another example. The father, the, again, let's go back to the hierarchy of authority here. Uh, it was like a, a spiritual power of attorney. So God, it goes God, Jesus, and it goes the uh, church, then it goes the um, the pastorate, the presbytery, or your priest, the husband, the wife, and the parents. And that means that both the parents have authority over the child. And that's usually the the order of authority that we find in deliverance. Um, 
again, like if you're doing if you're doing a deliverance on a woman and she's married, get the husband involved. And you can command have the husband command over the wife because the the husband is the head of the the wife. And let's see here, let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter two verse two. that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. See there's that word knit again. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's usually talking about the mind or the soul. And so we can, we can say that in their souls might be comforted being knit together in love. Again, you know, soul ties are not necessarily a bad thing, but, uh, but the devil will use them in a bad way to... Uh, gain control over your life. So let's go back to Psalms. See the the soul ties, we I mean this is this is more of a uh, the biblical term is knit or bound. Um, you're bound to somebody, you're knit to somebody. But the the word that the the term soul tie is usually more of a uh, um, modern day type of phrase. Let's go back to Psalm 20, 23. It's my favorite chapter. If you know my story, you know why. <laughs> so Psalm 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, he, when we can fix these, uh, we when it can we can identify these soul ties in our lives. We can we can have the assurance based on this verse that God is going to restore our soul, and He does that. And he will do that through to deliver you. Uh, let's see here, and go back to chapter seven of Psalm, the book of Psalms. And this is the last verse, and this talks about just how much the you know the devil knows about soul ties and how and what he would do. Uh, Psalm chapter seven, verse two. Lest he tear my soul like a lion, rendering it to in pieces, while there is none. To deliver. O oh Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have, if I have rewarded evil unto him 
that was at peace with me, yes, I have delivered him, that without cause is my enemy. Let the enemy per, per, uh, persecute my soul and take it, yes, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay my my honor in the dust. So going back to verse two, let lest he tear my soul like a lion, the devil will tear at your soul. That is the portion of our being that the devil will get into. The three parts of your being is the body, the soul, and the spirit. And the spirit, the devil cannot affect, he cannot attack the spirit. Because the spirit, when you become a Christian, is purchased by Jesus Christ. The devil can't, and his demons can't touch the spirit. But he can if you're unsaved. So, but the, the demons can attack the soul and the body. And again, through the New Testament, we can see how Jesus had healed the sick and cast out demons. Healed the sick and cast out demons repeatedly. It seems like it's coinciding with each other. Demons can attack the body and attack the soul. So they, Jesus is going and healing the body and casting out the demon out of the soul. Healing the body, casting out the, the demon. And a lot of times in deliverance, you'll see a miracle like that. You'll actually You'll bind the demon, you'll ask the demon, like, well, hey, are you causing the cancer in this body of this victim? And, yeah, I am. Okay, well, I bind you. I take a threefold cord and I bind you to that disease. And then when you cast the demon out, it will take that disease with it. And that person will be miraculously healed. And uh, a lot of times that can happen. And a lot of times they can't because sometimes it's just what the person is doing is causing it. You know, me, for my whole life, I ate badly. I love pizza. And last year I had a heart attack. And I was told by my cardiologist, hey, you got to cut down on your, uh, your wheat cons uh, consumption and uh, your breads and especially uh, saturated fats and anything that has cholesterol on it. Pizza has a lot of cholesterol on it. I just love pizza. I'm still eating pizza. <laughs> so, in moderation. I'm trying to do it in moderation. So, that is, in a nutshell, soul ties. So, they do exist. You can accidentally um, bind yourself to somebody by making a promise to them. Um, you can go and See a pro see prostitute, just like in Ch John chapter four, and get bound to them, get a soul tie from there, and soul ties. Um, and you can go and abuse. This is what a lot of times what I see is a rapist 
somebody in the family will abuse a woman when they were a child and we, we, we meddle with dissociative identity disorder and, and deliverance and a lot of times that soul tie will come up as an imprint as a as a person that person will bring will put a dissociative of themselves by the act of abuse into that person I know you're probably saying that's pretty wild but it does happen and so we have to deal with them we have to try to make them either go back to soul that they came from from that person that abused them and renounce the soul tie or break it off or else uh, go before Jesus Christ to be judged or we sometimes we even have, have them you know accept Jesus Christ right there and leave so that's a soul tie so how do you get rid of a, a ungodly soul tie well this is leading into haunted objects for one let's say that somebody in your past an ex-girlfriend 30 years ago gave you a beautiful ring to remember them by or a, a engraved bracelet so that is the act in your relationship you developed a soul tie and sometimes you might be going on Facebook or Twitter or social media and looking them up you still have that soul tie of that person in you so what the what do you have to do to get rid of that ungodly soul tie this you know a lot of times the word Facebook comes up in a lot of divorce cases because people have all these soul ties of previous loves they try to look up on Facebook Twitter social media what have you and try to rekindle that uh, relationship again and it's easy because that other person has the soul tie as well they're still connected and so with with marriages you have to get rid of the objects of all your previous loves. You just have to. So if your ex-girlfriend from 10, 20, 30 years ago, you're still holding on to those objects, you need to throw them away. You need to renounce them. You need to say, I renounce my old girlfriend, Jane, and all the relationships I have and I rekindle my I reaffirm my my marriage to my wife yada 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 say whatever's on your heart in Jesus name and throw it in the trash get rid of it and you've gotten rid of that soul tie so yeah all these objects have a soul tie to them because you develop this emotional attachment and it will go into the object it will it will it's a symbol of that connection and you need to get rid of it so now getting into haunted objects so if I take a gun let's say and I really hate somebody I hate them with a passion I'm using that emotion of hatred so intently that I decide to use that weapon, that gun, to go and kill that person. 
So then I go and use that gun. So I'm now leaving an imprint of hatred through that saw tie into that gun because of that other person. And when I go and abuse them by taking their life, there is now a connection there. And you see that. Do you, you now understand that? And you're, probably thinking, you're probably thinking to yourself, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And this is what the Bible talks about. And so there is this ungodly soul tie that the devil is now going to come in and use to, to attach the spirit of hatred, the spirit of murder, to that object. And then I take that gun, and I decide, well, i got to hide the murder weapon, so I'm going to bury it in my basement. You know, i got to say i got a crawl space, I go down in there, I take it, take a shovel, and I dig a hole into the sand or dirt, and I put that object in there, okay? Now this these this saw tie can come up, uh, become an edict, can become a curse, and it can come about and be even triggered by somebody who comes in with the same type of soul tie, the same type of emotions that are connected. This is why I tell people. Please stop ghost hunting because you don't really understand the own, your own emotions that are going into and you're, you're going into these homes that are haunted and these spirits are going to try to get your attention and they're not the spirits of the dead. They are demons as the Bible describes that the devil goes about disguised as an angel of light and that's just a metaphor to show that demons will disguise themselves to get your attention so they can identify a connection have a gateway demon come into your life and then start breaking you down so you need to stop ghost hunting and I, as an exorcist, don't really need your proof, your evidence. I mean, it is nice. You know, I don't dismiss it. You know, if a paranormal investigation team comes to me and says, Hey, I, we have this video, we have this audio of this place that's haunted. Can you come and do a, a cleansing on it? Or a blessing. And I'll listen to the audio and I'll listen to it. try to identify the demons that are involved, try to, through the history genealogy of the people and I go in and I, I can quickly identify what's going on. I don't really need uh, an investigation team to help me but it is again nice if you're doing that type of stuff to but again when you're ghost hunting and you you have a lot of emotional issues especially for you women out there because again the majority of the deliverances I've I've done are on, are on women and it has to do with sexual abuse so stop ghost hunting 
because you go if you don't have issues that are settled in your life and you go into a haunted place you're going to bring something back home with you that is uh it's not going to be good and um Again, with the haunted objects, uh, a great example is uh, you can watch, pretty much watch it on these paranormal shows anyway. You can see, a great example is John Zaffis has a haunted museum. I mean, I know it's in his warehouse and he doesn't really let anybody in there see it, but uh, Ed Warren had haunted objects. Um, uh, Zach Baggins. Las Vegas has haunted objects and you can see that repeatedly when people touch these objects they they start to feel um, that connection they start to develop anger issues or or lustful issues or they start stealing stuff or acting um, acting differently um, it's because there is that spirit transfer, and you have to, and the soul tie is not released off the object, and so it takes somebody like me, an exorcist who knows what they're doing, to go in and and take that soul tie off that object and to cast out the spirit, uh, the person or uh, the object, and uh, so yeah, this is how the devil operates. He likes to take. He likes to use soul ties to grab hooks onto you and pull you into the things that make you do things that you don't know, don't understand what, why you're doing them. So, um, one one more thing too about the paranormal community is now don't if you if you're if you're getting into deliverance ministry and you're just feeling pressured. Uh, First of all, I don't feel pressured, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of people on my ideas. I stick with the Bible. I stick to what it says. I'm not going to renege on it. I'm not going to move away from it because it's truth. It is the truth. I've even, I've called tons of spirits out in homes on that they're not actually a dead person. They're actually a demon. I've exposed them. And just by seeing that, I'm not going to relinquish the and go with the paranormal community narrative that demonic hauntings are rare, because um, that just that is just stupid. If you're going about and and you're a paranormal investigator and you are investigating hauntings and you have this ideology that oh they're 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 the spirits of the dead and they're walking the earth, they're haunting places, and demonic possession is rare, demonic hauntings are rare. You are in a place where the devil wants you to be. He wants you to believe that crap, and it is crap. And for consideration, the 85% of Americans, just Americans alone, um, claim to be Christian. Now I understand a lot of the a lot of those Christian those people who claim to be Christian are not really getting into the Bible, but 
here's the thing. Most all of those priests and pastors are going to teach what the Bible says. And so if anybody in the congregation comes to us and says, are there spirits of the dead haunting places? We're going to tell you, no, they're all demons. And here's what the Bible says about it. And this is why we teach it. So keep that in mind. But 55% of the paranormal community is teaching that narrative that the spirits of the, of the dead can haunt places and demonic possession, demonic haunts are rare. But the rest of, the, of the, those in the paranormal community are, are in belief that all hauntings are demonic. So in actuality, all the celebrities that are teaching on these shows, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Nation, uh, Ghost Adventures, uh, all these shows that are teaching that the spirits of the dead are out, are out there and we can communicate with them and that they believe that demonic hauntings are rare are actually in the minority. And people like me, who believe that they're all, all hauntings are a result of demonic activity, are in the majority. So that's food for thought for you. So if you are listening to this podcast, you believe that all demonic hauntings all, I mean, excuse me, all hauntings are demonic, you are, congratulations, you are in the majority. Because once again, us pastors, us priests, us clergy, are not going to sway from what the Bible says. And the Bible is very clear that demons disguise themselves. The devil and his demons go roam the earth, prowling like a lion. It says quite clearly. And I know, and I've heard it several times before from people that, well, the prophet Samuel uh, rose up with the help of the witch from Endor and spoke to King Saul. Well, I'm sorry, but you're not a theologian. You don't understand that aspect, so stop throwing that in my face. The truth behind that story is a big theological study. And to make that short, back in the Mosaic Law at that time, there was two parts. There was paradise, what Jesus calls in the New Testament, Abraham's bosom, and Sheol, which we call hell today. And everybody went under the earth, either in paradise or in Sheol, and there was this big gulf. And you can read that in the parable of, of Lazarus, and, and the, Lazarus and the rich man. And it tells even right there, Jesus even says it himself when he talks about the man uh, trying to tell Abraham across the gulf, that wish that he he can go back and tell his his family his friends to change their life and not to come there, 
But Abraham mentions that it's too late, you can't go back. Once you're dead, people, you go, and this is confirmed by studies uh, and near-death experiences. All you got to do is go on YouTube and, and, re and listen to people's stories near death. And they'll tell you that they, they, they died, they went to this place where they were judged. Just like the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And that judgment that each and every person that has a near-death experience says is very peaceful. You get to see all the good stuff that you've done in your life and all the bad. Your spirit is weighed at that point on whether you go to heaven or hell. And that does happen. And if you go to heaven, that's great. You have Christ. You're in Christ. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what happens. Demons disguise themselves as dead people to get your attention so they can get into your nice warm body and manipulate things so they can do things that they want to do and so that you start asking yourself why am I doing this why can't I stop because your demon is doing those things that it wants to do trying to live a life as well and break you down tear you down so they can take control of you and I have seen so many people in my career in deliverance ministry where it is nearly impossible for the to cast out the demon because the person the person's personality is nearly merged with the demons I've had one case like that where I couldn't help the person and it still gets at me to this day. Still picture this woman. And uh, these demons were just in total control of her soul and body. And it's not a pretty sight, people. They're out there. And they're manipulating people, tempting people to do things. If you're one of these people who is out there saying, oh, demonic activity is rare, you, you're, you got, you're not taking a look at the world. Because all you got to do is look at the news to see all the demonic activity that's going on in the world. There's rapes, there's gangs shooting, there's jihadists be beheading Christians and homosexuals. There are wars. 
there is torture and it's all demonic activity they're all doing it why I know I'm an exorcist I talk to demons they tell me things they're doing all of this in the world they're doing it to you to manipulate your life to try to end your marriage to try to off the people that you love trying to ruin your your job trying to take things away from you this is why the paranormal narrative needs to stop you can't believe that crap the pet, that teaching is exactly what the devil wants you to believe he wants you to believe that you're able to communicate with your deceased loved one so he can take advantage of your sorrow and mourning and gain entry into your life he wants you to go to a medium and a psychic so that you can break that law of idolatry not adultery, idolatry. And the laws are relating to the occult and Deuteronomy. So that he can gain a legal right over your life. And if you've ever consulted a medium, ever consulted a psychic, I guarantee that you have a demon. You can contact me and we can get rid of it together. Oh, but I know that a lot of you are probably laughing at me right now. But, again, they haven't told, they, they, they've told me that, and they've dubbed me the scariest man in the paranormal because, for a reason. I really believe it's because I can prove it. I've been shunned from a lot of paranormal paracons from Hollywood from paranormal shows they won't use me because I'll show them a demon and I'll tell you why this paranormal narrative exists for one it's a big money maker the paranormal community is a huge money maker and if everything was demonic, as it is, they wouldn't be able to sell the Ouija boards. They wouldn't be able to sell their shows. They wouldn't be able to sell you on the ideas that would be able to uh, make them money. Paranormal people, paranormal celebs actually make more money going to paracons that they do on their shows a lot of people don't know that the other reason is I have a relative that that works in Hollywood there's the mass majority and I mass majority and not being prejudiced here because my heritage 
is actually Jewish. I can go into a whole aspect about that. I myself am not Jewish because of the lineage, but in my genealogy, yeah, my ancestors were Jews. But the mass majority of those who produce these shows are Jews. And if you understand the Jewish theology, they don't believe that, uh, I'm not going to go into the whole detail, they don't believe that there are evil spirits, but they believe that they're dibbics. And a dibbic is actually something of a manifestation of the imprint that somebody leaves behind that is uh, an evil aspect of them. And so that's what they believe that they are. They're actually, they believe that somebody is actually possessing another person, a dibbic. You know, possessing another person. And they have to do an exorcism on them. And so, to, for, for the Jews to confirm that there's demonic activity would prove that Jesus exists as the Messiah. So they can't have that. But the other reason is, and the main reason, is that it gives people a false hope. Oh, these, these shows are teaching me that I can go and talk to my Aunt Jane who died. I'll go get a Ouija board. And that very idea of ghosts and being able to communicate with them makes money. It's sad. But would I go on a, on a show? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Because there has to be some element of Christian teaching, true Christian teaching to go on. Christ has to come into the paranormal community in some way and that's why I'm there. I'm, I, I will evangelize to the paranormal community. That's it. That's the only reason why I'm in, in the paranormal community. It's be, involved in it because, because I care about the people in it. I see the deceit. I see Jezebel working there. So this is how Jezebel works. I want to tell you just how Jezebel is working in the paranormal community. For one, you watch, let's say that you're a Christian, you have this Christian teaching that your pastor has given you, you go and watch a paranormal show. They're talking to the dead. You're hearing these EVPs, and then now you're believing, oh wow, this is evidence, this is proof that this is going on, when in actuality, producers are behind this, and all you have to do is listen to some of Kim Williams's, uh, Chris Williams's material to know that what actually producers have have, have done in the past. Um, I've even told in one of my podcasts what producers have wanted me to do. Um, so a lot of it's fake. And then, so you get warped by the idea that you can actually go in, and confused that you can actually talk to dead people. And so you try yourself to go and... So that is the manipulation of religious views. And that's what Jezebel does. She likes to warp your religious views. 
She gets involved in religion in some fashion. Now, a lot of the people that I've met in the paranormal community, a lot of celebrities, have dominant personalities. Jezebel is a dominant personality. She likes to control things. So am I saying that majority of the celebs that are in the paranormal community are possessed with Jezebel? No, I would say maybe at least half or more. But they will stick to that narrative. And anybody that is not involved in that narrative, they will bash in some fashion or they will mock. That's Jezebel. Also, the mediums and psychics that are involved. Again, that's a cult. That's Jezebel. Pagans are involved in the paranormal community and they will come into people's homes and they will go and cleanse and they will do their versions of blessings and sell objects that are, have these soul ties to them and attached with demons at all these paracons handing over demons and evil spirits to people. You are going to a paracon, you're buying objects, you're buying demons. Jezebel is all over the place there. All over. And there has been a lot of sexual activity that goes on in the paranormal community. People, you talk to people like I have in the paranormal community that are attracted to the paranormal, they have had sexual abuse in their life in some fashion. I'm not saying all, everybody in the paranormal community has been sexually abused. I'm just saying that it is very odd that the majority of the people that I have talked to in the paranormal community have faced in some way a type of abuse that has Jezebel written all over it. These are the traits that Jezebel has and she is the ruling demon over the paranormal community. So next time, um, the next podcast, I come back in March, uh, will be a narrative of the exorcism I did with uh, Jezebel. Um, another one, I hope until then I'll have another exorcism in which it will be recorded, in which I will personally ask the demon confronted with the Holy Spirit to tell the truth right on a podcast I will ask the question are your kind behind all hauntings and you will listen for yourself the response from a demon telling you the truth So your enemy is prowling about like the roaring lion, and no more better than a corralled bunch of people in the paranormal community who are already there 
listening to false doctrine, religious teachings, getting close to people in power, rubbing shoulders with those people in power, occult issues. Those are, again, all traits of Jezebel. If you're listening to this and you want me to, because I'll, I'll do it, I will speak the truth at any pirate paracon. If you're listening to this and you want me to speak at your state's paracon, get a hold of them and request that G.P. Haggart speak at their paracon. Uh, you can go to gphaggart.com. I have a contact form there, and that they, they can uh, they can request for me, get in contact with me, and I'll speak. And if given proper permission to, I will draw demons out of the crowd because the narrative has to stop, and I'll start preaching the truth even harder. My job in my in this deliverance ministry is to tell the truth, to give you the truth, to preach the truth, and to expose the devil. Don't you want your enemy to be exposed? Then do it. I'm telling all of you here right now that are listening you want me to speak at your nearest Paracon, get on the phone, contact the people who run the Paracon, who run the uh, paranormal gatherings, and request that G.P. Haggard, exorcist, speak at your Paracon. And I will tell everyone in the audience the absolute truth. I will preach Jesus to them. So, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope it helps uh, to, for you to understand more about soul ties, imprints, and uh, haunted objects. I know uh, a couple of you out there that were on my Facebook page sent me messages about this type of subject, and I hope that it... it uh, um, I hope that helped uh, but yeah we'll be coming back um, in March more podcasts and more teachings so stay tuned and I hope that every one of you out there has a great Merry Christmas enjoy it and also a Happy New Year so this is G.P. Haggard signing off. I'll see you next year. Merry Christmas.
You have been listening to The Exorcist's Podcast. A production of Haggard Enterprises, 2021.